what I want to talk to you guys about is the start of a, I guess it's the start of a series, which is a bit weird for me. Normally, uh, normally I, I'm not much of a series guy, um, but that's okay. Um, but the series is called Lessons from the Wild Places, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but some of us are beer grills. I didn't mean to look at Nico when I said that. <laughs> some of us are beer grills, and some of us find the wild places somewhere that we could potentially die in. <laughs> so we've got the whole so we've got the whole the whole gamut of things going. For some of us, being in the wilderness of the wild places can be a really positive, awesome thing. For others of us, being in the wilderness of the wild places can be a really lonely experience. It can be something which um, which we can be afraid of and something which we um, you know we kind of try to avoid. Alright? Um, I don't know about you, but um, it's really hard to describe, but we've all been in those wilderness times before, hey? Like, you know, like, it's, it's hard to put words around it, and I'll try, and I'll fail, and that's okay. But that's why we're doing a series, because we'll have another bite at the apple next week. Um, but I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've found myself in the wilderness. I've found myself in those places where I feel isolated, in those places where I can feel alone, where, in those places where sometimes I've chosen to go there, I've chosen to go into the wilderness myself. Okay, so, you know, leaving home is a choice most of the time. All right? Some of the time. I've left home twice, and at least one of those times was my choice. Um, leaving home can be a choice. So we can go into those wilderness times by, you know, by choice. But other times it can be circumstance. It's like um, other times it's almost like the whole world conspires against us to put us in this place where we feel isolated and separated from other people. All right? Um, so I thought we'd just talk about, the, talk about the wilderness and lessons from the wild places maybe for a few weeks when I get to preach. I mean, Shannon um, is probably going to do something else, and that's cool. I'm, I'm okay with that, um, because otherwise she'll take my messages, and that's not a no. <laughs> She's quite prophetic, and so what will happen is like she'll pray to God, and he'll tell her what he wants to say, and as a result of that, I lose a message, because it's like literally what I wanted to say. And she'll say it better, and then this jealousy kicks in, and, you know... <laughs> Okay, but we're called Church Untamed for a reason. I have um, little filter. Um, it'll, it'll be okay. We'll have a good time, okay? Um, there's this time, right? Um, Shannon and I were, the, were um, the young adults leaders down at Invercargill Christian Centre, so down, down in Invercargill. And, like, honestly, for this period, it was like a period of maybe four or five years. Like, we're, we're young adults guys for a long time. But this four or five years, like, honestly, every single person... There was a young adult that came down to Christian Center and was like literally in the wilderness. Like they were literally, literally on the wilderness journey. Like they all had these crazy stories of, I don't even know why we're down, to, down in Invercargill. I mean, seriously, who goes to Invercargill by choice? We did. That's true. Yeah, Listen, did. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, okay. Wow, a bit early. A bit early in the service to be turning on the pastor, but that's cool. That's all right. Um, but for a lot of them, um, through these, these crazy situations, God had sort of moved them down to this place for this season. And like for me, uh, Invercargill is a great place. There's, there's a lot of stuff to like about it. Um, but it's the people that made it amazing. And quite often it was the people that sort of come across our lives and, you know, uh, come across our paths that um, sort of made it an incredible time for us. Um, but for a lot of the people that came down, um, there was two reasons. They kind of lacked directions they didn't know. So they thought, well, zero fees, if we don't know what we're going to do with our lives, zero fees means that it's a cheaper risk, okay? And sometimes they come down with no purpose at all. It would just literally be, 
Oh, God, God kind of said that we should come down and we're just kind of trying to suss out what that looks like. All right? But it could be, but the wilderness could be away from home, away from safety, and away from comfort. And when you think about it, that can be both a positive or a negative thing. Okay? Um, so, as an introvert, wilderness times can be amazing. Um, so, wilderness in the... Wilderness in the um, Wilderness in the dictionary says, okay, wilderness, right? An uncultivated, uninhabited, and inhospitable region, okay? We've all been in those places before. Have you ever, have you ever been a place, in a place where you know you're not invited? You know, you feel awkward. It's like, oh, hopefully none of you are feeling it right this very particular moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the wild, the waste, it's an un- uninhabited region, it's an inhospitable region, it's the badlands, um, it's lonely, it's undeveloped. Um, that's one of the definitions. Another definition is a neglected or abandoned area. Now we've all been in those places where we've felt neglected and abandoned. I mean Ezekiel has got that great thing that he keeps saying over and over again when he's lost out in the wilderness under a bush, I am the only one left. I am the only one left. I am the only one left. Um, another definition is a, po- a position of disfavor. Okay, now we know where we live in times of favor. We know, like, we just know, like everything's going well. There's a bit of a spring in the step. I don't know if it, is it a spring or is it? Just... <laughs> I should stop doing that. Hey, that's not okay. All right. Um, but there's different types of wilderness and different types for different people. It looks different for everyone. All right. Um, just out of interest, it's quite, it's quite good. Any deer hunters here? I've got a, okay, so, you know, this may not be a message. As soon as I say wilderness, you guys are going, yeah, all right, sounds good, okay. Um, but wilderness actually literally comes, um, like the word wilderness comes from Old English, which means land inhabited only by wild animals. Um, it literally means wild deer place. So it's the place where the deer is. So as a deer hunter, that sounds like a great place. You want to be where the deer are, like that's just, you know. I just thought that was cool. But we've all had those wilderness times. See, the thing is that we have to understand is when we're in those places, quite often we can see it from a really negative point of view, and sometimes it can be a negative thing. If you're in the wilderness for too long, you start to lose yourself. You start to lose community. You start to lose friendships. You start to lose identity. Like, it can be a bad thing to be in the wilderness. But actually, God can use those times where you're in the wilderness as well, because it strips back. And again, any time we've seen sort of bear girls or naked and afraid, please don't watch Naked and Afraid. Have you seen that one? That's awesome. It's cool. So you get, left on an, you get left on an island, literally naked, and it's survived. Like, that's not a how-to guide. Please don't go and do that on Ruby Island over the coming week. All right? Um, but honestly, we've all been there before. We've been in that place of vulnerability where it feels like we're everything's been stripped back and we just don't know what direction to go in, we don't know who we are, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. See, the thing is, is that when we find ourselves in those wilderness places, God can use those times. He might not have necessarily put you there, but he can use them. Alright, from the wilderness, God used all kinds of people and spoke to all kinds of people. Moses, the Israelites, David, Ezekiel, the prophets, Jesus. See, when we go into the wilderness, we need God. It's in those times where we're put in a position where we need God. We're not doing stuff in our own strength. We're not doing stuff with, um, with, uh, we're not relying on the faith of the community of others around us. 
See, the thing is, is that God won't always cause situations, but he will use them for our maximum benefit. Okay? I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've got myself into really horribly messy situations, and God's actually used them for my benefit. I got myself there. It was my choices that got me there, but God still used it for our good. All right? Um, so we're going to jump around in Isaiah. This is, this is where we're going to go for the next three or four weeks. Or when I preach, I'm going to preach for three or four weeks on Isaiah. Isaiah is really interesting. Isaiah is pretty cool. Um, he's, he's the start of the new prophets. Okay, so before Isaiah, the guys before Isaiah were known as the judges. And they were called the judges because every time they spoke, Israel felt judged. <laughs> Isaiah was actually really different. The first half of Isaiah was literally following the same pattern. Hey, Israel, people of Israel, if this is what you keep doing, if you keep going around the same pattern of sin, if you keep going around the same mountain again and again and again, what are you finding yourself in slavery for to this thing again and again and again? This is what's going to happen. But then it hits Isaiah 40, and Isaiah 40 is amazing because it's filled with consolation and hope as Isaiah unfolds God's promise of future blessings through the Messiah. And Isaiah is actually really interesting because Isaiah is like a prophetic, a prophetic book. But it's a prophetic book which includes elements of this is going to happen right now, and then this is what's going to happen soon, and then this is what's going to happen in the future. So it's a prophecy which is good for now, a prophecy which is good for this is your next step, and a prophecy for this is where you're going. I don't know about you, but that's a good prophecy. I'll take, I'll take that prophecy. If you can tell me where my situation is now, if you can tell me the step that God wants me to take from that point, and you're telling me, hey, this is where we're going. Oh, my goodness, there's hope that's going to rise up in my heart, yeah, hey. That's right. And then if you know where you are now and it's a terrible place, but you know that it's about to get better and you know that God's going to take you to great things, suddenly we're hopeful. That's right. Suddenly we've got faith rising in our heart. Suddenly it doesn't really matter where we are right this very second. It doesn't matter where we are in the wilderness. We know that God's getting ready to launch us somewhere else. I love the fact that when you ask, call out to God, it's very rare that God will actually go, no, just chill here forever. <laughs> I really hate the place that I'm in. I really hate the place that I'm in. I don't want to be here anymore. Oh, well, just chill here forever. But that's not the way that God operates. The way that God operates is the best is yet to come. There's more for you. This is only the current situation. All right? Um, our current triumph or our current ordeal, or our current trials, are the ground level of where God's going to take us. So if you're at the top of the mountain at the moment, it's still not the best thing that's going to happen in your life. And I don't know about you, I'm 30-odd now. So I'm 30-odd now. Have you ever got to the point where you're in your 30s, or 40s, or 50s, or 60s, and you kind of go, oh my goodness, I think we might have peaked. Just, just me? Okay, that's cool. Have you ever got to that point where it's like, oh my goodness, I think the best has already been? But God's a God of the best is yet to come. Yes, right. Okay? All right. So here we go. Now, great thing about the prophetic and the great thing about the Bible is that when God speaks, it quite often has a corporate meaning. So that means that, like, if God's speaking to Israel, that's like Israel as a nation. I love the fact that you can take the corporate, but actually God's the personal God as well. That's right. And so when we get prophecies, we can take it from a corporate level. So this is what we do as a body of believers or the church or the church in the world. But it can actually get as specific as, hey, this is where we're at at the moment personally, and this is a word for you personally right now. 
Okay, so this is, I'm going to read it out, and then I've got a couple of thoughts around it. Is this okay? It'll, it'll be good. This is, going to be a, this is going to be a fun time, I think. So Isaiah 43, um, if you want to turn to that in your Bibles. Um, I've, I've chosen the message version, but um, just because I'm an English teacher and love exaggeration, no. Um, I'm an English teacher, and it just tells a really good story, but NIV, NKJV, uh, NLT, all, it's really good when it comes to Isaiah 43. I'm just going to read the first part, okay? Um, if you were, the, I mean, this is the word that God's given me to speak, so I'm going to speak it, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes from there. Okay, so Isaiah 43, it's the message version. The title of the chapter, which some, someone after the fact added, is, uh, is called When You're Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Right, so I don't know if there's anyone in here that's between a rock and a hard place at the moment, but if you, if you are, this is for you. Okay, but now, God's message, so the word of God. That's the way that the message says the word of God. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob. The one who got you started, Israel. And then it quotes, don't be afraid. So I don't know what situation you're in at the moment. It says, God says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. Now that's not just a situation. That's not just one aspect of your life. I've redeemed you. So that's full redemption. So I don't know what needs redeeming in your life. I don't know what needs lifting up. I don't know what needs fixed. But God's it's full redemption. Okay, that's what's on offer here. I've called your name. So like a son and a daughter, you're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a, ho- a rock and a, a hock. Hock sounds delicious. So between a hock and a rock. I'll choose the hock. Thanks very much. Sounds awesome. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. I love that thought. In the wilderness, have you ever been in the wilderness before and it just felt, felt like there's a dead end? There's no coming out from this. There's no getting out of this hole. Even when it's a hole you've dug yourself, I'm well aware of holes that I've dug myself. I quite often do that with my words. It won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Saviour. I paid a huge price for you. So um, in some of the translations, it says ransom. So I've literally, this is what I've been willing to pay. So think about your situation. Think about where you are. Think about, um, you know, this is what God's willing to pay for you. All of Egypt, well, that's why all of Egypt went down as a result of the Israelites getting released. With rich Cush and Seba thrown in, which is Egyptian colonies. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade creation just for you. So on a corporate level, that's a pretty good deal. On a personal level, that's a terrible deal. I'd trade all of creation just for you. God loves us. He's willing to go all in for us. That's a gambling term. If you understood that term, maybe seek help. (laughs) Or you've seen Casino Royale, then that's okay. Um, No. We're willing to go all in. He meets us in our mess and brokenness. He meets us in our humanity. All right? And so then, so that's the first part. God, so that's the first part. The first part says we are the redeemed. He paid the price. He paid, he paid all of creation. He paid all of creation just to get us back. He'd sell the world to get us back. He'd ransom that which is most precious to get us out of our circumstance, whether it was out of our control or it was our own fault. That's amazing. So it goes on. That's the first part. It goes on and says, So, so verse 5. So, 
Everyone say so. So. So, so basically means taking all that into consideration, this is the way we need to act now. As soon as you see a so, so is good. So it's like, here's this terrible situation, this is where we're going now. So, so, because of what I've just said, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I love that thought. Now, do you notice he said that before to Israel just once or twice or about 50 times during the Old Testament? It was the promise of Joshua. It was the promise of Moses. It was the promise of the Israelites. It was the promise of the prophets. Um, Paul starts saying it in the New Testament um, and continues to say it to a lot of the churches that feel isolated, that feel alone, that feel like they're in the wilderness. Do not be afraid for God is with you. Jesus said it multiple times. It was one of the last things he said in two of the Gospels. I will be with you even to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. Are we at the end of the age yet? No, because it's not the end. So we're still in it. So he's yeah. still with us. That's right. So do not be afraid. I am with you. Now, this is, this is the really cool thing, I think. I'll round up your scattered children. Now, on a, um, now on a corporate level, that basically means the scattered children are like the lost, those that aren't and that don't know Jesus, those that don't know God, those that aren't part of God's family. But it's your scattered children. So think of those people in your life. So on a corporate level, think of those people in your life that are lost at the moment. All right? I'll round up your scattered children, put the, pull them in from the east and the west. I'll send orders north and south, send them back. Good girl. Return my son from distant lands. Now we're just going to get her to um, say amen, and we'll be, we'll be away and laughing. Um, return my sons from distant lands, my daughters from faraway places. I literally just threw the rest of the verse on the ground. I want them back. Every last one that bears my name. Every last one. Every man, woman, and child who I created for my glory, he has personally formed and made each one. Mm-hmm. God wants the lost ones in your life. Yeah, that's, good. that's the thing. So not only is he wanting to re- redeem you, he wants to redeem your whole family. He wants to, you to, to redeem your family's family. He wants to redeem um, those ones in your life that you feel are lost. I don't know about you, but for us, um, one of the things that's happening down in Invercargill at the moment is there's, um, there's just been like a spate of, um, a spate of like just young people taking their lives. Um, and it's, it's really sad. And it's, um, it's people that um, myself and a, a few of my skate friends, like we had a lot to do with. And um, it's not God's will for them to do that. Okay. Um, what it is is that um, hopelessness is seeped in. See, the thing is, is that if we know God, we have hope. That God is a God of hope. That's right. Okay, so one of the things that we can do, and one of the things that God's heart is, is to bring in the scattered children. That's right. If we take it from a poetic point of view, and you're allowed to do that with Isaiah, because Isaiah is both prophetic and poetic in places. On a personal level, talking about the scattered children, Ask it of children, what's those things in your life that you've given birth to? What are those things in your that, now that could be actual literal children, that's okay. <laughs> but there's stuff in your life, dreams that you've had that have died along the way. It could be dreams, it could be prophecies, it could be fruit, it could be the things in your life that you think are dead. God wants to restore and redeem those things to you. He wants to return the scattered children to you. Alright? Um... 
It finishes off with 48, uh, 43 verse 8 to 13. Get the blind and deaf out here already. I don't know about you, but have you ever told someone about God and they've been blind or deaf? All right. The blind, though, there's nothing wrong with their eyes, and the deaf, though, there's nothing wrong with their ears. Then get out the other nation. Then get the other nations out here and ready. Let's see what they have to say about this: the fact that our God is a God of redemption. How they account for what's happened. Let them present their expert witnesses and make their case. Let them try to convince us what they say is true. Okay. So we've got the world's the witness. We've got the world's witnesses to who God is in our life or who God is in this world. And then God says, but. But you are my witnesses, says God's decree. You're my handpicked servant so that you'll come to know and trust me. Understand both that I am and who I am. So as Christians, if we can understand that God is and who God is, it completely changes who we are as a result of that. Previous to me, there was no such thing as God, nor will there be after me. I, yes, I am God. I'm the only saviour there was. I spoke, I saved, I told you what existed long before these upstart gods appeared on the scene. And you know it. You're my witnesses. You're the evidence, says God. Yes, I am God. I have always been God, and I will always be God. So if you want some stability in your life, there it is. I am God, I have always been God, I always will be God. Seems like a pretty stable place to build your life. No one can take anything from me. So if you're God, nothing can take you away from him. I make, if I make it, who can unmake it? Okay. So we're God's witnesses. We're his evidence that what he has done is done. We're... um, <laughs> our testimony will testify to the goodness of God. And so I don't know what pit that you might find yourself in today, whether it's in the lowest of the low or the highest of the high today. See, eventually that's going to become a testimony of God's goodness in your life. God's not going to take you from dark place to dark place to dark place unless that's where he's sending you to redeem it. If he's sending you to a dark, pla- to a dark place, so to an area that's... Um, inhospitable, one of the things that we get to do as Christians is we get to redeem that. Okay? So one of the things that we've, that Shannon and I feel strongly about is the reason that we're in Cromwell is that we want to redeem all of Cromwell to, to God. We want to redeem all of Cromwell to God. Now that means on a, on a whole level, like community will change. That means on a personal level. That means meeting the person at the supermarket. God wants to redeem that person as much as he wants to redeem the entire area. That's right. See, our history becomes his story. Okay? So what do we do about it then? We've got these great promises, but what do we do? I guess probably it depends on where you are at the moment. If you're in the wilderness and you're not there by choice, what we need to do is that we we need to rely on God. Are you in a wilderness space at the moment? See, there's, there's some good things about being in the wilderness. Okay, wilderness brings us to the end of ourselves. If we get to the end of our strength, then we're not relying on our own strength anymore. And now, and now I don't know about you guys, but there's been times where I've relied on my strength too much and God's had to put me in a place where I couldn't rely on that strength anymore. Being in the wilderness reduces the noise. 
we hear things that we don't we, we, we wouldn't hear in the busyness of life. It puts us in a position where we're able to hear from God. Now remember Ezekiel, we'll probably talk about Ezekiel at some stage. But remember Ezekiel tried to find God in the loud places. He, he literally managed to, like, got God to call down fire from heaven. And then two chapters later, he's hiding under a bush going, God, where are you? See, Jesus and Ezekiel both ended up in the wilderness with very different attitudes. Sometimes we need to be in the wilderness in order for God to teach us stuff. For example, Israel spent 40 years <laughs> in the wilderness being taught how to be sons and daughters and not slaves. Moses literally had to grow up in the court of Egypt so that he didn't grow up a slave, he grew up a prince. And then he literally had to live in the wilderness for 40 years so that he knew what, to, what being in the wilderness felt like. So when he led the Israelites out into the wilderness... He could do another 40 years. Who wants to be Moses? Woo! <laughs> I'll take Joshua over Moses any day. I'll take a Joshua. Yeah, let's take some territory. All right. Come on. So what would it look like if we took the truth on board that God is with us no matter where we are in any circumstance, whether we're in the, a great wild place, whether we've separated ourselves out? See, the thing is, is that if we know God's with us in every circumstance, it's impossible for us to be alone. It's impossible for us to be alone. It's impossible for us to be isolated. See, the thing is, is that, um, have you ever noticed that even in those wilderness times, those people that you don't want to talk to keep coming up in your path? You know the guys that are in really good space, you get the encouragers suddenly come around, you're just like, shut up, I feel bad, go away. <laughs> I mean, I've never said that personally. If you're an encourager and you're in the wilderness, you need to guard your heart doubly so. Because if you're an encourager, people are used to you building each other up. So when you flip over to the critical side of things, it's bad. Hey, Shan. Yeah, yeah I'm an encourager. Um, wilderness times are nothing to fear. But God never expects us to live there forever. Okay? Benning Lipshire says that every one of us is surrounded by people who are starving for purpose and meaning in life. God will send us to the wild places so that we'll come across people that feel like they're isolated, alone, and they have no hope or purpose, and we've got the opportunity to speak that into them. See, the reason that we never lose hope is because God's faithfulness never changes. Because of what God's done in our life, we are the hope givers to a hopeless generation. Our hope that we have in God is an anchor for our soul. It's what we can rely on. When everything else fails, we can hope and we can rely on God. We can confidently go into the wild places in God and with God because he is with us and he is for us. And he tells us time and again to be strong and courageous for I am with you. We can meet people in the wilderness that are going to be... Have you ever noticed that some of your best friends you meet in the weirdest places? You meet some of your best friends at your, at your lowest times. Um, our frogs' friends are some of our greatest friends in the world because most of the time we're meeting people around a situation that would generally make us cry any other time of the year. <laughs> so I guess I've got an older call. Not I guess, that's, it, I have an older call. It's a good older call. I want you guys to go back to the promise 
God says, I am who I say I am. So I'll do what I say I'll do. So there's things in your life which you feel that have um, fallen to seed or not come to pass. If God says he'll do it, he's going to do it. If you're in a wilderness time at the moment, I don't know where, you, I don't know where you're at at the moment, there's got to be some people that are in that space because that's what God's told me to say today. We need to refocus ourselves to trust in God's redemption through Christ and rejoice. Um, I've got this really good. I've got this good thing. I think. See, the thing is, is that we need to move from the short, our short-sightedness. We need to um, move forward from just looking at a current situation and going, "Woe is me," or looking back and going, "Man, look at all this bad stuff that, or look at the stuff that's happened up until this point, and look at where we're at this hole that I'm in now." We need to start looking forward into the perspective that God's got for us. That where you're at at the moment is not where you're going to stay. That's right. That's good. So I'd love to pray for some people today. Um, we're just going to put a music on. That's going to be the end of the end of our service, okay? Um, but we're going to put some music on. And the people that, are, that we'd love to pray for, um, maybe you're in a wilderness place at the moment, and I don't know what that looks like for you. Like I said, it's different for everyone. But you know, you know when you you just know when you're there, like you just know. Um, and it's not necessarily a place that God's put you. And it's not necessarily a place that you've put yourself. It's just the circumstances or, you know, it's the result of living in a broken world. That God's in the process of redeeming. And so if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to stand with you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to lift your hands. We'd love to do all of that stuff. Um, if you are in the wilderness space and God's put you there, so like God's put you there for a season, and maybe you've um, not had the best attitude about it, you're, you're focused on, oh my goodness, look at where I am at the moment, or look where I used to be. Have you ever noticed that sometimes looking back and seeing the really great times is, can, all, can be almost as painful as looking back and going, man, look at all these bad situations up until this point? It can cause the same pain. The great thing is, is that God doesn't call us to bow down to the mountain of fear. He calls us to bow down to the mountain of joy. He calls us to um, be ones that are hope givers to a lost generation. And so if that's the case, we'd love to pray for you. Um, there's a whole heap of other encouragements and stuff that we've got coming up and, and another couple of, you know, another couple of messages and things like that. But I just guess for here, where we're at at the moment, the people that I most want to pray for today and the people that I really feel that God's calling us to pray for today are those that feel like they're in the wilderness and they just can't get out. Like the Israelites have been wandering around in the same space for year after year after year and just, um, are just not able to get out of their, their situation. I believe that God's a hope-giving God. If you're not a Christian today, and you want to get to know this God that I've been talking about, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray a prayer for you. It's a real simple prayer. It's not like um, a Harry Potter prayer. Okay, it's not like you have to say the exact words in the exact order, you know, expel it. No, I'm not going to do Harry Potter here. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't have to say the exact right words. It's actually a heart change that's important, and the words will follow it. All right, so we'd love to pray a personal prayer with you, okay?